Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's conversation, we have John Kucher. John is the director of sports psychology at the Kincaid School in Houston, Texas, as well as the founder of Kucher Peak Performance. You can find John and interact with John on Twitter at Kucher, C-O-U-T-U-R-E underscore B-C. If you like this episode and would like instant access to all of the roundtable discussions, you can join LPD Plus. It's an online coaching community filled with these discussions as well as drill videos, uh, sample programming, anything for the curious-minded coach that's looking for better ways to train hitters, pitchers, baseball, and softball. One of the questions I always got after inventing the spinner arm care tool was how do I use this? So I came up with the foundations of throwing online course. This is just a one-hour mini course uh, outlining not only how you can implement the spinner or how we use the spinner on our training floor, but how you can develop a full arm care throwing program uh, to get the most out of the players on your team, the players in your gym. Uh, this is just your get started guide uh, with throwing programs and arm care. Go check out that course on my website, chadlongworthonline.com. I'll put the link in the description. We could talk about um, we could talk about your background. We could talk about um, we could talk about how you and I cross paths. Um, talking to John Kucher today, uh, we're going to be talking mental skills a little bit. Um, I've got some off. I, you know, you guys me about the the questions, and this is typically really casual. We talk about mm-hmm. movies, we talk about Netflix shows, and we talk about <laughs> we talk about a lot of things, and so. Um, talk about your background, and we can kind of talk about some others. You're, you're, you're the new, you're the new Dan Levitard. Yeah, yeah. We just <laughs> kind of go off the cuff. There's no script. It's very casual. Um, you know, I, I think of, if I recall correctly, I think you were a fan of Colin Cowherd back I in the day. Love Cowherd. Yeah. Love Cowherd. Like Clay Travis. <laughs> I've been on Clay Travis for a long time. I read <laughs> Dixie Lane Delight. When he wrote Dixieland Delight, because I love SEC football, uh, <laughs> he wrote On Rocky Top, and now he's become huge now. But like I was on him a long time. Mm-hmm. I heard I love, <laughs> I love these sport, these opinionated sports personality guys. Um, I like you know Cal heard a long time ago, and still is kind of a and people that know me and know how I interact. It's like I like people that think differently and say different sure. things. Sure. Uh, yeah. They don't just like march to the same drum and the same line that everybody else does. It's like, how about we <laughs> we think in a different way, or it could be completely wrong, but at least it's a different way. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate those guys. Talk about what you're doing now. Talk about your background a little bit. You can go sure. all the way back to when when you were when you were trying to to mentally nurse 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 year old me uh all the way back in the day and go bring us up till now sure and that was um that was sort of the cutting edge you know over 20 years ago uh when i was with the indians they said okay you you have the whole minor league system we know that you know mental skills and just developing kids mentally is important um we just quite don't know how to do it um so here it is here you go um and, and kind of like what you said uh with with the baseball background uh, I had a baseball background and, and I knew it was important, but we never had that, um, you know, that ideal to look towards. So we, we had to try to look to other sports to see how to 
utilize it and take advantage of it in baseball. Um, and that was the, and that's still kind of going on right now, as you mentioned in your Twitter feeds and stuff like that. There's an old school baseball network out there that believe, you know, the cream will rise to the top. And that believes that, yeah. you know, you know, they'll just, they'll just get it, you know, they'll just right. mature and they'll just get it. And people feel um, that way still kind of about skills, like mm-hmm. baseball skill development and skill acquisition. It's like you either have it or you don't. And, you know, mm-hmm. I hear we were actually talking to, we were actually talking in the building yesterday about, about one of these kind of these old guard guys. And he's, you know, he said, he said, you know, he's just got God given ability. And, and, you know, it's so funny to watch a guy like Trevor Bauer, who's about to, you know, should win the NL Cy Young, like make himself into a good player. Didn't mm-hmm. have God given ability. Like mm-hmm. probably should be like an engineer in, in an office somewhere, <laughs> like drawing building designs and he throws yeah. all flying drones. Yeah. 98 <laughs> miles an hour. And basically just like built himself into that. Um, taking a different approach from the skill side, but yeah, you're right. Like some, there's still old people that you'll, you'll either figure it out mentally or, or you won't, mm-hmm. or, you know, you'll either figure the skills out or you won't. Um, we're in a very different time now. So it's interesting. Cause I didn't know that about your background. It's kind of like you were just, it was like in the beginning of the Indians, like we didn't really know what, what it was going to look like or, and it mm-hmm. was just kind of like the, 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 the think tank almost. For, mm-hmm. for that and we had we had very smart as you know you know the coordinators and, and the leadership group with the indians were very smart and they they knew it was important but they just didn't have a model for it so we had to create you know we had to create space we had to create um uh you know reasons and kind of a, a niche for me to come into a, a city and talk to individuals and, and try to talk to teams um try to talk to you know the coaching staff that's kind of where it should all start um and and some sometimes the you know the staff was turning over because uh number you know there's for many reasons they're just not staying long enough and if you don't stay long enough then you don't have the the coaching staff the daily um kind of mentors for the players to bring about this change so you know eventually over time it it does work um but it's kind of like inertia you got to get it started you got to get it moving you got to get the belief um before before you you get that in there um and so it's it's top down so the big leagues have it the minor leagues have it now the colleges are starting to have it um but once again but once again there's limitations because of there's not really a a a model for them to follow um there's not really you know a line item in the budget uh for mental skill development or for a consultant to come in and things like that um so it, it's all kind of churning and figuring out things, um, you know, and as a head coach or, or a GM, you have to, you have to manage what's happening around you. You know, what's most important to hire Chad or to hire some, you know, really good quality coaches or to bring in strength conditioning coaches to bring in, you know, eight, uh, athletic trainers and, and, and yoga instructors, mental skills, people, you know, alternative ways of training these guys. Um, so that's just not, it hasn't happened yet, so they're trying to figure out how to incorporate that into into baseball right now. Sure, and I think that kind of um, talk about what you're doing now because the lead in to sure. the question that's on my mind is exactly that: like the importance of, and the role of a of a mental skills guy within, like how I believe you should practice and develop players and all these other things. Talk mm-hmm. about what you're doing now a little bit. 
Sure. So I, I, I'm in Houston now, and um, there's a there's a private school. And again, just the idea of a private school, meaning, oh, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of resources, things like that. And that's really what it was. It was the headmaster and the athletic director uh, both contacted me. They they knew me from from the past, um, and they said, we you know we want to we want to make our athletic program better than all the other schools. You know, how do we do that? And you know, my one answer was, well, hire me, and we'll develop a mental skills <laughs> curriculum for, for your athletes, and we'll take them to the next level. Um, and so again, they're, they're thinking outside the box. They're thinking, oh, uh, you know, we can do this. And also because they were a headmaster and an athletic director, they were able to manipulate budgets and things like that to incorporate myself. Um, so five years ago, I went to a school called the Kincaid school, develop a mental skills curriculum, um, and try to number one, teach it and educate the, the coaches about the importance of it because they, they sort of knew the importance of it. But once again, they didn't have a model of how they could incorporate it and then work with lower level, which was high school players, high school varsity players um, on the importance. So these high school really ambitious kids, you know, took to it. They're like, Oh wow. You know, I could take AP chemistry and work with a sports psychologist to become a better basketball player. You know, that's terrific. That's great. So the, the kids took off, uh, took off with it. Um, the coaches, you know, were a little bit slower because once again, they have their model of their daily practice, their model of their weekly or biweekly game or whatever. Um, and they didn't quite know how I fit into it. They had just, they had just found out how to incorporate strength conditioning into their practice schedules. Um, so how are they going to incorporate, you know, this mental skills development into it? But again, over time, um, you know, you have to earn the trust of those coaches. Um, and they'll see the benefit of when you work with their players, how the players perform and, and consistently perform. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Um, I have outside clients as well, you know, college baseball players, um, minor league baseball players all over the country um, that see the value of it, that basically pay out of their own pocket because they're either not getting it with their own organization um, or they're not getting what they would like out of their own organization. Um, and that's that's where I am right now. So we're tr we're trying to incorporate it into a high school realm, which which we have successfully done so far. Um, and meanwhile, I'm still in the in the baseball field too, working with you know elite athletes uh, to try to separate them from the others, just like Trevor Bauer did when you know he went up to uh, drive line doing all the other stuff that he was doing. Um, I'm trying to do the same thing with with my clients. Right. So that kind of leads me to where, so somebody asked me one time and, and I talked to, I don't know if you're familiar with Clyde Keller. He was a pitching coach at Florida state last year and we were talking and we were talking about like, Hey Chad, if you, if you got a, a college head coaching job or, you know, if you were in charge, like who would you hire? I said, I'll be honest with you, man. Like I'm not sure I would hire a traditional hitting coach or a traditional pitching coach. Like, like I'm not sure that that I need those roles, but what I would need, number one, I, I would like a data analyst and a data guy to like crunch all the numbers that we're going to collect on the process of trying to make these guys better. And then I would hire a mental skills guy because this is, this is my question. This is the thing that I, I really wanted to touch on is like, you know, I'm really big on the value of hard practice. Uh, I think hard practice and practice that that looks like the game and feels like the game and 
and, 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 you know, struggles like the game is, is really, really important. But, but within that, your number one job as a coach and your number one job as, as a trainer or whatever you're doing, if you're watching this is, is keeping the guys mentally on the track because they're going to come off because baseball, number one is a hard game. And for a long time, you know, we're getting better now, but like baseball practice was, has been too easy. You know, so we got this false sense of like what success is. And then what I love is like the hard practice model, the, the model that's, that's, that in, introduces struggle, but how do you get, how do you feel like, and what was the, what would a process look like for somebody that maybe is looking for an answer of like, yeah, I have no idea how to keep these guys on the track, you know, in practice. And, and one thing I, I try to really hammer home to our guys is, you know, detaching them from what is short term, like what is right in front of them and keeping mm-hmm the the long-term journey in mind it's like yeah man like you really stunk today but like and 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 i'll be honest and and, and I, we, you and i have not talked since i left the indians this is the first time we've talked you know, part of my frustration because i wanted to be good i wanted to be great like i would have done anything anyone asked me to do sure. ever and the, and it was no one's fault then but part of the frustration then is like you get a lot of different inputs. It's like, try this, try this, try this, try this. And it's like, you don't know if any of this is working. And a lot of my frustration as a player came from, man, I'm trying this and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not doing any good. So I'm going to try this and I'm not doing any good. I don't know if any of this is working at all. Mm-hmm. Just kind of trusting these people. And now we've kind of, we've kind of eliminated that in, and Rachel Volden and I brought this up, the detachment from like just those short-term payoffs with mm-hmm. data and analytics. Like you can see, you keep a very macro view in skill development of just because you played bad this weekend or just because you sucked in practice today. Look at the data we've collected to this point. It doesn't mean you're not getting better. And it doesn't mean this isn't working. It just is what it is right now. And we have mm-hmm. to continue on this journey kind of deta- always detaching from good or bad, you know, good or bad. You get too attached to good, you're in trouble. You get too attached to bad, you're in trouble. Like, you know, you, and, you know, you got to ride the middle. And so how would you go about explaining that process to, to a coach, to, to me, to anybody, you know, that's probably one of the bigger yeah. skills I would imagine you face every day. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of keeping sure. athletes like dead in the center, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. That was and, one of the struggles with the players. Like, I, I felt too good. And and you're young. You waste all these at great athletic years when you're young and you don't have a lot of context and you don't have a lot of patience. Patience has never been something I've been good at. So, you know, how do you explain that to somebody? Um, again, there's a there's a short, easy answer, and then there's a the, the longer, you know, complicated well, answer. Kind of touch in and out of yeah. So. Um, Number one, the first thing I would say to the athlete or to the, the coach is don't don't label a swing or a performance as good or bad. Label it with facts. The, the good or bad are judgment. So when we start judging things, that's when our emotions start getting tied to our performance. And that's when the roller coaster starts to happen. 
So if we look at things, you mentioned it, it's, it's data, it's facts. So if we can take the emotions out of it and look at facts, look at the objective things in front of us, it's a lot easier to stay even keel and to stay focused and what we're, what we need to do because you know we're humans we we want to dwell on the negatives we want to kind of suppress the positives and you know we want to kind of go like that which as a performer that doesn't work we we need to stay in the middle we need to stay in the middle of that bell curve where our intensity is is right here where our where our mind and our focus is right in the center right in the present um, and it's a lot easier to do that if we don't judge what's happening and we don't use those judgmental words. So that's kind of the easy, easy thing. That's the easy way to start. If you take those judgmental words out of it, it's easier to stay in the moment. Now, the, the longer, more extensive version is talking about your goals and thinking about what's going on and having a vision of what's, what's, what you'd like to do. Um, and then you throw uh, activities and, and interventions in there, like like visualization um, and like self talk, and and just seeing seeing yourself being successful will give you that even keel, even if you know you miss swing or you you know you get blown out by a, a ninety eight mile an hour fastball, or whatever. You, you don't mind it as much because you know that you have a plan and you're following the plan. So you know the word trust the process and follow the process and keep your mind in the moment. All of those words are true. It's just, you have to live them. And that's the hard part is living them. So I would take the, take the emotions out of it, take the judgmental terms out of it, make sure that you're surrounded by people that think the same way too. Because if you're surrounded by people that use the words good and bad, then it's going to be harder for you to stay away from that. So the support group that you have, the coaching staff that you have, whomever is around you have to have to have the same vocabulary, but have to have the same vision that, hey, we're in it, you know, between now and December 31st, this is where we want to be. So that's what we're going to shoot for. And if I happen to make a mistake in between, that's okay, because as long as we're shooting for what's going on here. Um, and if you take the the judgmental things out of it, then it's a lot easier to get up every day and to put forth your effort and have that passion. It's a lot harder to have that passion if you if you're on the down trough yeah. of, oh, dude, I've been working so hard and I don't see anything coming from it. And that's why data is so cool because yeah. it can give you it can give you information that just because you went over, you know, you're you're still getting better. Like the data can tell you that, but the stat sheet doesn't sometimes doesn't tell you that or the wins and losses for a coach sometimes doesn't tell you that. And that that's when we get tied in emotionally to those troughs. For sure. Like, like on the skill side, you know, it's just more and more when I talk to coaches about, you know, cause it's funny, it's funny how I got to this point just as a small town guy in the middle of nowhere. Like I picked up a bat sensor one day. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't know what any of this stuff means, but this is cool. <laughs> and now like every, like a lot of people talk to me about like that since like how do I how do I get started? Like how do I use this? Like what do I do? And I think I think even in technology and even in data, the number one thing I tell them is like the most important piece is just collect it. Just collect it. Don't make judgments about it. Like in this moment, just collect it because there's only I can't, no matter how good anyone is, I can't see three miles an hour of bat speed, or I can't see four degrees more of, of attack angle, you know, consistency. I can't see those things. I can kind of make judgments on how you're moving, but, but 
as we get more and more into this thing, um, we see guys move a lot differently in a lot of different ways. And, and we're way more accepting now of the freedom because we have these tools to, like you said, like measure the process. Like I, I don't love those buzzwords because they get misused by people. Like, <laughs> you know, they get like, you, you, you don't have a process, man. Like, like you don't have anything like you can say focus on the process, but you don't have a process. Like a process is like, I, this is what the roadmap is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And then in order for the process to work, you have to have a way to measure it and you don't do that. And, and so that's, you know, for a guy like me who just has always been somebody who, who's been fascinated by like, how do you get better? Like, what do you do? Data and collecting data, you know, is it's like it's like it's like this is the greatest. Like you guys have no idea how lucky you are to be doing what you're doing now because mm-hmm. you actually know, you actually know, and you actually know. Do I adjust course here? Do I adjust course here? Um, it's also very frustrating. And and like you said, I was going to make a point about my kid, my kids. I got an eight year old and a six year old, mm-hmm. and like one of the main things that I try to do when they hit it's, it's like, I try not to react, especially when they swing and miss because I don't want them to attach like a negative result to like swinging and missing. So I don't react. Like I try not to react. Like I try. Oh, and, they're gonna, and they're looking at it too. They're, yeah, they're, they're looking, looking at me. They're looking right at me. And so, you know, like, like I try to give them encouragement, like, Hey, when they hit one good, but like, mm-hmm. like I, I don't want them to attach like negative result because I've, I've seen so many young players, you know, they just swing to hit, to hit it because they've got, they've become attached to the negative result of swinging and missing. And like, man, if you swing and miss in a game, that's like one strike and you get three of them. And so you may as well try to do damage on all of them because the more total bases you can accumulate, the more, the more valuable you're going to be to your team. (laughs) That's going to require you to swing and miss some. Let's just kind of reload and try this again. Especially, again, this goes back to the way we train. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just telling guys yesterday, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, for me, winning the U.S. Open is such a, it's such a, great, it's such a big moment for people like me who've been beating the, the optimized speed and power drum for a long time. You know, the value of peak exit velocity mm-hmm. and the latitude it gives you and – and and I was telling them yesterday, you know, with weighted bats and all these things, it's like he can swing 150 miles an hour and the ball's kind of right here and he's going to kind of hit the center of the club face. We need to swing somewhat with that same intention, but with the understanding like our ball is moving. Like we're not going to hit it sitting still ever. It's going to be moving in some capacity. And if you swing like that, you're going to have to understand you're not going to hit every ball perfectly. There's no way. There's no way you can. And if you're if you're hitting the ball perfectly, you're probably not trying hard enough. But it's like that attachment to practice makes perfect, you know, mm-hmm. perfect practice. Like we've got to get away from those things, especially in a sport that's as chaotic as baseball is. You know, mm-hmm. like like we, we we think that perfect practice, you know, makes us good, and, and it just doesn't. You know, and it just doesn't. And again, it goes back to it goes back to like my number one thing. It's like once you introduce these concepts of training and these methods of skill development, keeping them mentally on the track is like the number one priority because 
they can get too attached to the data. I mean, we have people that get too attached to the data all the time. Mm -hmm. Like their peak exit velocity is 95, 96. And today they're like 91. And it's like, man, what am I doing wrong? And it's like nothing, <laughs> like nothing. You know, my pull down was 102 last week and it's only 97 this week. Like, what am I doing wrong? And it's, it's still that same attachment to the result and that, that fascination to, to like, how it's going to improve exponentially you know, the COVID curve, it's going to exponentially grow and people are going to die and like nothing grows exponentially, like, and especially baseball skills, you know, how do you manage, how do you go about talking to players about their expectations of like their development and their performance? It's like, yeah, you're doing good, but, but like, this doesn't maybe, and I, and I hate to talk to players about this because it's like, I'm putting a negative spin on it, but it's like managing their expectations. Like, Oh, I'm going to be 112 miles an hour next week. You know, how is is, that, is managing yeah. expectations of something you talk about? Of course, yeah. One of the and, and you mentioned something. One of my interventions with with baseball players, particularly, is they have no technology day. Right. You know, the one the, the ones that are that are locked in and they can't wait to get to the cages or can't wait to get to the field because they want to audibly hear. You know how fast they're swinging is what the Evo is, stuff like that. Like, okay, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is no technology day. So they have to manage that. And then they have to basically get other cues and then they can work those feelings and those physical cues and how they're doing and, and, you know, their, their visual cues with where the ball goes and stuff like that. And then the next day they get the, they get the, um, the data and then they see, you know, how they can reconcile all those things. So at least they're at least they're not dependent on the data from the technology. Because in a game, we don't have the technology. Although you see that pitchers will look up at the at the radar gun sure. and see yeah. what it is, and and the same thing, uh, you know, uh, fielders will do the same thing. They'll they'll look at the 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 uh, replay and see could I have gotten the ball and stuff like that, as opposed to kind of redoing it in their head and saying, Oh, I you know, I didn't get a really good first step on that, on that line drive to the gap. Um, so that's number, that's number one. Number two, in terms of the expectations, they have, they have to know where they're trying to get to. Um, and if it's a, again, if it's a smart goal, if it's reasonable, if it's, if it's something that we like to use, and again, in, in terms of sports science, there's 2% gain. If you if you try to do something more than two percent of what you did before, it's probably going to be an uphill battle, and you're probably going to be um, you know disappointed in the result. But if it's one or two percent, it's something that's really manageable. And once again, it's it's one percent better, so you are getting better. So that's where I like to steer my clients to get one percent better with this day, get one percent better with this week. Um, they can use the the numbers from the technology to to satisfy that and to solidify that they've gotten 1% better. Um, but it's not a, a swing by swing or at bat by at bat type of thing. Um, so their expectations are much easier, much easily managed because it's really doable, but it's an improvement. And think about that. If you get 1% better, just think every week, 1% better every week, that's compounded. That's a pretty good season right there. And that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to just keep on getting better. That's the point of practice. That's the point of, you know, of playing. We want to see how good we can be um, without taking the, 
the steps backwards or the troughs backwards and things like that. Um, so that's where I that's where I direct them. Now, again, individuals are different, so we may have to come up with some other things because some individuals have their have the the external rewards as a as an expectation. We don't want the external rewards as an expectation. We want the internal rewards. So the things that they control. Um, so one of the one of the common points for a, a, a hitter, let's say, is you know to take their mind off of the body and to see the ball when it comes out of that that tunnel, to see the ball. So it's really hard to see the ball coming out of a tunnel if if their mind is you know on their scalp or something like that or you know how they're moving. So that's also an expectation. You know, I expect you to be able to take your mind off your body and, and see the ball within these next five pitches. That's that's a realistic expectation. And that's something that they can feel. That's something that we can we can actually take technology to measure it because his swing is going to be quicker, his reactions are going to be quicker. We can use where his where his eyes are, like we can actually see where his eyes are are looking and stuff like that. So um, it's a lot easier to manage expectations if they're controllable, if they're, uh, you know, if they're within that one to 2% improvement range. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're internal. Hang on just a minute. Pooch. Sure. My, my computer's plugged in, but it says I've got like a low battery. That's not a good thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the problem is. Being okay. a technology guy, I don't know what the problem is. I used a different cord. Flip this cord around and see what happens. Um, lost my train of thought a little bit. So yeah, so we were talking a little bit about if I lose you, we'll figure it out. Um, we were talking a little bit about. Um, let me let me try to think about what I. We were talking about that, and I was thinking about myself. Uh, oh, it, it was that. It was that. It was that focus on like when I'm in the, when I'm in the moment of an at bat, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about these external thoughts, you know, and, I, and one of the things that I never did as a player, like I was always in practice, like thinking about, am I doing this or, or is my stuff in this place or that place or, or whatever. Um, you know, now I, I spend almost little to no to, I, I try to say as few words as possible and spend as little time as possible talking to, to guys about about this or, or that, or because most of our training, we want them to be, to be externally driven because, you know, we want, and, and, and people rag on the way we train players and this, that, and the other, I know it's unconventional, but, but what we're trying to do is, is we want what we do to connect right to the game. I, we want it to connect right to the game. You know, you can, you can do T work and you can do whatever you want to do, but I mean, that's not going to really connect to the game at all. You know, we want to connect to the game. So for me, spending as little time as possible as talking about these things allows the player to train in an external, you know, an external mindset an external focus of, I'm just trying to really just see the ball and like, and I'm trying to hit it hard somewhere like this you know i'm trying to mm -hmm. see the ball flight i'm trying to make and just go execute the movement and however best suits me and then we try to attach it to to to, to task and environments that look like the game you know i try to throw them batting practice that kind of looks like the game 
you know, I try, we try to fire the machine on and throw them pitches that kind of look like the game. You know, how would you go, you know, for people that, that maybe spend too much time talking about these internal processes and maybe not enough external processes, you know, how would you go about explaining to them maybe, you know, you're, you're really disconnecting from what they need to do in a game. You know, what, what they, cause that's all that matters at the end of the day. That's all that matters. You know, when you hit the field and I, because players can get too attached to, to like practice too. And it's like, man, we gotta, we gotta compete with this thing too. You know, how, how would you go about, you know, connecting maybe too much internal in practice and to, to the need to be external in a game. How would you go about that? Um, it's fa- fairly simple. And you kind of gave me, you kind of gave the answer. If somebody, if there's a player that is thinking about himself, we call it self-conscious, but if he's thinking about his mechanics, put him in a game setting. If you put that player in a game setting and he's still self-conscious, if he's still thinking about his mechanics or has his focus turned into himself, he will not be able to compete. He will not be able to be fast enough to compete. And that goes with the extended answer as to in sports science to get better at a, at a skill or at a whole performance, you need to push yourself and challenge yourself, which is sort of higher than the, the competition that you're going to be facing. And in baseball, we do just the opposite. We bring it down a notch in our practice and we, expect and assume that that it's gonna oh well they're gonna kick it in when you know when the when a guy fires a 90 mile an hour fastball in on his hands he's gonna be able to turn on it well if he doesn't practice it if he doesn't practice making those adjustments again not the adjustments that he needs to like think about his hands but the adjustments he needs to get so he doesn't break his bat you know the, that adjustment um then he'll then he'll start seeing the importance of playing the game outside of himself and trusting all that training. And again, you, you said it, there's a fine line between training what you want to do and stuff like that. And then the competition, there's a fine line. And at some point, you know, the lower levels, your six and eight year old, they need to, you know, know exactly how to throw the right and, and, you know, how to position themselves at the plate and stuff like that. And then, then you take them to the next step, which is the competition. So the easiest way to see if somebody is, locked in on himself and staying self-conscious is put them in a competition and you'll see they're a little bit mechanical. They're a little bit slower. They're not going to be able to compete. And if they don't, if they happen to have that, that innate talent to, to, to leave practice behind and compete at a high level, then they should see that difference. So there is not, there, there can't be a disconnect. There, there has to be a, a connection between what you're doing in practice and what you're doing in the game. And it's simple to just put them in a, put them in a game situation, put them in that high leverage spot and see how he performs. And again, not, not the statistics perform, but if he's able to, you know, to make adjustments, to hit a ball, to see a ball, to, to get a jump in the outfield and stuff like that. Um, if he's able to do that, then you know that he is, he has that external focus, the external narrow focus, and he's able to, to, to make those adjustments. Um, you know, and, and that's an interesting point because, that is one of the reasons why in in what I do now we we've really gone away from individual lessons you know we want small group training two to three players at a time because we want to introduce 
some competitive elements within their within their training. It's not all competitive, but where but where they're kind of competing against one another. So so maybe maybe their heartbeat, you know, gets going a little bit. Maybe sure because because introducing those competition things in practice, you know, is I think to me is it's really really important because you find out, like you said, you find out. Is a guy going to be able to, or a girl, are they going to be able to, to, to connect to, to the information and in the, that the game presents and the stress of the game presents and the stress that competition presents? Um, are they going to be able to connect to that? And are they, are they going to have, when you're talking about that, in my mind, I'm thinking about this, the flow state. You know, they're going to be able to get to that state of flow where they're just, they're just reacting to what's happening. They're finding a rhythm and they're finding a, a peace of mind um, in just being right there, like and, and detaching from the result and and all that's really hard to. I mean, it's easy for you and I to say because you and I don't play anymore, and you know we sit on the side and like I get it. Like I I can't imagine. I think talking to my younger self would be easier now. Because look, Chad, man, like here, okay, so here's like the the skill and performance results you're looking for. Like here's the data, here's the numbers, here's what we're gonna work on, here's where you're deficient, here's what you need to improve on, here's how you're gonna improve it, yada yada. Oh, okay, cool. You know, but the patience that it takes to like mm-hmm. my my mind would immediately go to all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be good in a game, then I'm gonna hit 340, like I'm going to, I'm gonna hit. 20 homers like I'm going to finally do what I think I'm capable of doing because like I should be doing that I feel like but it's like it's like I don't know man um I think the point I think the point that I was going for though is just that the the quiet mind like going after that quiet mind in competition that just allows you to 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 be whatever it is you've prepared to be you know you can't hit the ball a hundred miles an hour or you can't execute, you know, loosely on the mound or like you said, go get that ball on the six hole and react to and connect to all these maybe shuttle drills you've done or all this time you spent in the weight room. Um, you know, you want it to pay off the, as much as it can. And to me, you can, ne- you can never get all these physical things to pay off as much as it can. If, if your mind is not, mm-hmm in the right this is place. this is the limiting factor competition this is the limiting factor yeah yeah like, you you, you know there's, there's guys with different physicalness but this is the limiting factor this will hold you back or take you to that flow state or take it to the next level so if you know yogi bear says it's 90 percent mental well why aren't we using why aren't we practicing why aren't we training 90 percent mental why aren't we doing that like that's that's right. the key right there right. that's why you're having this discussion with me you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a different spin too. Like, so you probably deal with this too. You probably deal with this too in that comment. And I'll tell you why. Not from you, but I hear that comment. I hear people say that they say, "Well, it's it's mental," and I'm gonna spend my time mental. Well, that's cool, man. But like, I don't see you in here in the weight room, and like, I don't see you out here competing against the machine. Like, yes, it's mental, but if your skills are not good enough, you can take all the sure. mental stuff you want. Sure, you're not sure. gonna be any good. You know, so I think sometimes people, and and again, I don't talk a lot about mental skills on the internet because I think people take it and they're like, oh, like I got to spend, no, you got to spend time in the weight room 
being developing the tools to be mm-hmm. good enough. And once you get good enough, it becomes all mental. Like it's the whole thing is mental. I wouldn't say it's 90% mental. I would say the whole thing is mental because once you're good enough, all you need to happen is your mind to be in the right space and all the work you've done to come mm-hmm. out when it matters. You know, we, and we talked about that earlier, the games when it matters, like we're trying to, we're trying to develop practice and skills that, that are representative of the game, but we're trying to get you to the game because playing good on the field is all that matters. And once you're good enough, your mind is, is it. But I think that people oftentimes, it's like skills though. People misrepresent it because it's, it's not physically hard. You know, it's not physically hard work for, for, for a kid to come talk to you. He's not sweating. He's not, you know, he's not under 400 pounds on the squat rack. Like he's sure. not under there. And so physically it's not hard. So it's like, you know, I'm going to go see Cooch today because I just don't feel like my mind. No, man, like you got to get in here in the weight room. Like, let's go through that first. And it's like, then let's go talk about that. And I'm not saying one is in front of the other because it's sure. one of my, one of my great mentors and a guy that, that, that I created a lot of my mindset and where I am today about developing players was Hunter Bledsoe. And he always says, man, like, if you want to be good or if you want to be great, it all matters. Like, you know, it, everything matters. It's not, this matters more than this, or that matters more than this. Like it all matters. And, you know, to be too reliant on mental skills or, or not have any mental skills work and it's all physical tools. And I'm not the guy. And I know this about myself. I'm not always the guy that is the right person to talk to my guys about some of these things because, you know, there are times I just have to, you have to be the hammer. Like you have to be the hammer. Like you have to, you have to make sure guys are accountable to their effort. uh, And they don't want to talk to me about uh, some of these things, you know, how, and that was something that was on my mind earlier. Like, you know, mental health, in all places of society is it's better than it has been, but it's still like not at all what it could be or can be, you know? And I think athletes, athletes are proud people. They're, you know, I don't need, I don't need that. Like, I don't need to talk to that. Like, and that's not true, man. You probably do. But, but like, so something like a, something like a daily, do you have some? Do you guys? Do you guys have something like a, like a daily questionnaire or, a, or an athlete, you know, mental assessment? Something that like could be on a computer. They kind of go in and there's maybe a list of fifty questions you have. And maybe sure. you give them four or five in a day, and like they go in, just kind of respond to them that, to where you can kind of get because they may not come to you. Like they may not, they may know that I would have, you know, I don't know that I would have. And, you know, and so how do you go about that? It's like, how do you go about that somewhat daily accountability? Is there a questionnaire involved? And I know we have some wellness questionnaires that guys kind of eyewash through that we want to know, did you sleep good? How are you eating? Mm -hmm. Yada, 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 yada. But like on the mental side of that, um, how do you go about that daily? Account? Yeah, there, there's one that I use. All walks of life, you know. Yeah, I think one, you know, police are really under fire, and and, mm-hmm. and I think you know a daily accountability for a police officers just to say, "Where's your meal state, man? Like, how are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And 
you know, somebody can kind of check in with you or whatever your job is, you know, it just, that went off the top of my head, but how do you go about it with athletes? Yeah. So if they're, if they're on the, the high risk, or if we assess that we need to have a daily check-in, then there, there will be three to five questions that we'll, we will make up together that they need to answer. Now there's also a, a great website. It has a, it's called a positivity scale that has, I believe it's 20 questions where you answer things and that it gives you a, it gives you a score and you can see your mindset. So if you do that in the morning, when you wake up, you can see if you're going to be looking at things with a, with rose colored glasses or that. looking at things that, that, you know, you're going to have, you're setting yourself up for not to have a great day. Um, and that's a, again, those are just tools, but you need someone to read them and, and you need a support group. So I could be a support group for an athlete or for, for a coach, um, or a coach can be a support group for his players and things like that. But there needs to be a, again, there needs to be a buy-in from both sides to make sure that this is what we feel is in the best interest of the player's performance. Um, just as you create this weight room schedule for your athletes, and if they don't follow through with it, you're going to get on them the same thing. There has to be a, a buy-in. So a, a, the player needs to wake up and either have his meditation or answer these questions and, and get back to me so I can have a, a good feeling about where he's at. And if, and if there's a red flag that comes up, then that means more discussion is needed or more intervention is needed with that particular person. And that's, that's important. Right now, we are dealing with a little bit more mental, um, negative mental angst than usual because of the seasons that have been squashed and all these other things that, that are going on. Um, there, you know, there's minor league players that are just retiring now. Think about right. that. So they're retiring sure. abruptly um, because they don't have a job or because they need to get money. They need to get another job. Um, yeah, so sure. Yeah, so there, it's 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 temporary. Obviously, everything is temporary, but um, it's important to have that support group. So if you're a player or if you're a coach and you don't have a support group, someone to talk to daily, like you said, daily is, is important. If you don't have that, then you're probably not going to make the most out of that day, you know, or it's going to be lucky if you do make the most out of that day. So getting that support group, getting connected, um, it doesn't have to be with a mental health professional, but it needs to be uh, it needs to be mentally healthy, that support right. that you're getting. That's a, that's important. So I would recommend the positivity scale, which is awesome. That's online. That's free. Everyone can do it. And you can kind of, it gives you a number and it tells you what number it yeah, should be, that. you know, three to one versus 1. 1.5 to one. Right. Um, and, and that's great. And also what I want to say is there are, you know, there's that triangle of mental, fundamental, and physical. And, it's so important, especially now with our screen times and stuff like that, people are not getting enough sleep. And if you don't get enough sleep, and because of the COVID situation, we're probably not eating right either. We're probably not working out correctly. We may be working out, but it's not how we really would like to work out because we don't have access to everything we want to have access to. Those three areas, sleep, eating, and, and working out the right way, um, is a great way to manage your emotions, a great way to manage your thoughts. And if you don't have, you know, if those things aren't covered, if those physical necessities aren't covered with you, it's harder to manage the ups and downs of baseball or the ups and downs of, 
of school or whatever else you have going for you. Right. So that's important. So that's an interesting point because I find my, I've found my own self since COVID since COVID in March went down really like I've been, I've been, you can ask my wife with my kids. I have been to, I've been focused more on my, on our nutrition more than probably I ever have just making sure our vitamin intake is good because I don't know that I'm going to get sick. I don't, I have no idea, but I'm not, you can't stop a virus. You have no idea where it is. Like you can't see it. So you, you don't know. So I wanted to make sure that any of, if any of us got sick, like our chances of, of, of just getting better were as good as they could be. But I find myself, and honestly, I found myself more productive, more mentally present than I've ever been just because my nutrition has been so good. Like my vitamin intake is off the charts good. I've tried to eliminate, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not somebody that eats good at all, but like I've tried to eliminate like fried foods. Like I try to eat like just food, not chicken nuggets, yeah, yeah. not like, yeah. like McDonald's, like fast food. Like I try to, I try to have like actual food for, for meals, like, you know, Subway with vegetables and actual meat. And, and I've found my mental state is my mental production is so much better than it ever, it ever has been. You know, I'm, I'm more productive at home. Like I'm more productive in, in the cage. Like my thoughts are more present. Like, and it's been really unbelievable because I've always kind of been a healthy guy. I, I, I mean, I throw people say, do you work out? It's like, man, I don't, I don't really lift weights much anymore, but I throw like five or 700 balls like every day. And so <laughs> I get exercise. Like I'm exercising, like throwing baseballs from a pitching delivery every day is like not easy work. So I'm, so I'm like exercise. Um, but yeah, the nutrition thing. And then, then all of that aiding in like the mental side of, mm -hmm. of just being able to, to navigate, like right in the middle. We talked about that from the beginning, right in the middle. There was, uh, let me think there was, I was going to ask resources. I was going to ask you the positivity scale website. I'm going to check that out because yep. oh, here's, here's one thing. That I was going to ask you. Um, so another reason that we do, um, another reason that we do kind of small group training and we want that social interaction and we want, mm -hmm. you know, we want that, that especially for young players, I think that they don't get presented enough opportunities in their life to, to, because you think about, you think about you and I, and I was probably, the maybe the last generation of people that we developed our baseball skills in our yard in the summertime with our buddies. Like we didn't have travel ball coaches and adults involved in everything we did. Most of our skill time was done without any grownups around anywhere, you know, and I don't think that young people today get enough time to like organize and lead each other. It's so like, again, I try to stay out of as much as I can and let them kind of, navigate the things but in that they get this social interaction too you know how important and I don't even know if that's something that you really get into with coaches it's like how important is like the the leadership opportunities within the group and and that social interaction especially today in in letting players kind of govern 
some direction and and because again they're not they're not they're not self organizing. You I mean you can go all the way back to I mean if you're comfortable talking about young kids like 10, 12, 13, 14 years old and they're not getting those opportunities. I mean everything is governed and managed like they're waiting for adults to like give them things. It's like stop waiting on me. Like one, I'm not an adult. I'm like 12, but I, I got stuck <laughs> in this body. Okay. So I'll forever be 12, but here I am. My hair's turning gray. Still have it, which is unfortunate. I do. People like lose. You still have it. I was like, I know I'm lucky for that, but it's going, it's going gray like quickly. And so I'll always be 12, but like, I think like for young people, them leading them, leading themselves and again, screen time, they're not actually socially interacting at all. That's the thing about the internet that, that I, that I'm trying to, I'm not trying to keep my kids from it, but it's like, Hey kids, like talk to the human beings that are in front of you because the actual world that we live in is very different than the world that's going to be portrayed to you on the internet. Like, you know, and hitting Twitter is a great place because I go to these things (laughs) and I was worried. I'll be honest with you. Like I went to the ABCA. Gosh, this was, I don't know how I got so big on the internet. I have no idea how that happened, but like I went to the ABCA for the first time since I'd like gotten a big following on Twitter. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get punched. Like I have no idea. But people come at you on Twitter and it's like, and it's like everybody was so nice. And it's like the that world is not actually real, you know, interact with the human beings. They use very different. <laughs> Um, how important do you think that is, especially in sports? Like, I think that today is one of the most important factors of sports is like that human interaction, but, but leading mm-hmm. players, the opportunity to lead and, and, you know, govern the direction of whatever. Yeah. In, in psychology, we just call it growth mindset. Like yeah, they sure. have to be able to, they, they have to be able to be creative. They have to be able to think, they have to be able to, to interact and have those conversations with their, peers but also with with adults too and people below them um to to come up with ideas that they think may be fun may be helpful may be productive um and then they need to also have the ability to change direction because something isn't working or something doesn't seem right or something literally is wrong or, or they you know they got hurt or they didn't work and they can change direction on their own um we again i just say we we've been training our young ones to you know to try to follow directions and things like that. I think so that's why the young ones are, are leaning towards the screen time and towards Twitter and TikTok and sure. every Instagram and stuff like that because they kind of get to laugh and get to giggle and get to kind of choose, you know, which things they follow without, you know, an adult's, uh, you know, overbearing supervision and saying, don't do that, don't do that. So it's kind of like their way of rebelling. Um, but we should give them a way of rebelling on the baseball field or in the backyard or, you know, in the playground, that's, that's where they should be rebelling. They should be rebelling of, you know, uh, let's see how far I can make this three point shot as opposed to us, us as parents saying, you'll never do that in the game, son. Right. You know, work on your, work on your layups, work on your, you know, defensive rebounding and stuff like that. Yeah. Boxing out. Like I did that when I was a kid, like I was trying to windmill dunk half the time. Like I wanted the gold be down low and I'm like watching the dunk. I, I, I mean, to, to diverge from that topic because I love that, like the rebelling on the field. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm very encouraging of my own kids to like, I mean, this is hard to do as a parent, mm-hmm. but like I have to let them govern their own stuff. 
and it's not going to be always what I want it to be. But like, as long as they're not hurting themselves and as long as it's healthy, like let them go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that I watched the dunk contest up until the time I was probably 13 or 14 years old that I wasn't trying to do the dunks <laughs> that were on the screen. And I had to, I had to lower the rim to do it, but you, sure. you could probably dunk it. No, I don't know about that. But like, but like, there was no, there was no, um, there was no adult around being like, Oh no, we're not going to do that. Like we're going to box out today. You know, and it's like, I see so many grownups. Like yeah. I look at people and, and, and if you, I mean, people come and watch us train and it's like, this is, this is crazy. Like, Hey, I don't say a lot. I like stay out of it, but it's like, I mean, we're, again, it's a great word. It's like, we're trying to rebel in, in practice too like we're trying to give them these opportunities to rebel i i encourage i encourage players i encourage my players i say if you see a guy like pulling the ball pulling off then then move don't wait for the coach to call a shift and you know yeah, just sure. go do it like That's the problem and, and, and yeah say in in whoever's on the bench okay guess where this guy's gonna hit the ball all right well then go play there it's that simple you know, or for a pitcher, guess, guess where you can strike them out with, guess where you can get them out with. Well then pitch it there. Like you don't have to go right. always in, always away and stuff like that. Just do what you do, what you're seeing, because it's usually it's apparent, but maybe not, but usually it's apparent. Um, the world, and then if you make it, the world if you make a mistake, problem. that's okay. Yeah. If yeah. you make a mistake, that's okay. That's all right. Because there's going to be another pitch. There's going to be another play. There's going to be another game. It's okay. That's how we learn. Right. For sure. You know, and I think that, I think that's big. It's like, it's okay. It's okay to make these, these micro mistakes, like the micro, as long as you don't make these macro mistakes and these macro failures that are going to like set you back in your life. Like these things are all fine. Like you're, you're not going to jail. Like you're not going to die. Like you're not going to burn anything down. Like, Say it's all right, you know. And if you know, if you make this decision that you're gonna shift three steps to your right in the sixth hole because you feel some way and he hits it right where you were playing, mm -hmm. and that, that's one thing that drives me crazy about baseball. And it's like this is a totally a random game of chance, like shifting <laughs> is just a total you're just trying to play the odds. Like, I try to, you know, I try to tell that to about shifting. I try to tell that to we're, what we're trying to do in our for our hitters is like optimize for their best outcome and you know they're gonna pop the ball up it's not because we did anything wrong it's just sometimes when you get 19 in blackjack you're gonna lose that's just <laughs> the game like you did everything right your strategy was perfect and you lost like that just happens you know and i think that attachment to again that attachment to like well and people say this about the way we train here it's like they're gonna pop every ball up and they don't, they hit doubles and homers and, you know, but as soon as they pop one up, it's like, see, told you. It's like, no, no, totally. There's no way to combat this. Like this is going to happen. Like they're going to hit, they're going to hit, roll over a ball. There's a reason why there's bloop bloops. There's a reason, you know, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. And there's no explanation for much of it. Cause it's, it's like, it's, I don't even know that it's controlled chaos. I mean, it looks controlled. But, like, the fact that Trevor Bauer can go out there and fling 98-mile-an-hour projectiles at guys that are swinging these dead my, – my buddy Ryan says, hey, we're just swinging dead trees at these projectiles. <laughs> and people are – I mean, it's total chaos. It looks great, but it's, like, total chaos. And, like, any attempt to, 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 to say otherwise is, like, you've probably never been out there. And, and I'm not saying you had to be good – 
to 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 know the game. But it's like my perspective, I guess, on things is different because like I kind of got a good handle on how hard this is. Like I got it shoved in my face a lot. And so <laughs> let me ask you one more question. You you gave us the positivity scale. Uh you talked about the growth mindset. One of the books I love is Carol Dweck. Mm-hmm. Uh, mindset, awesome. Angel Duckworth, grit. Usually my boy Nick is not here. My boy Nick got hired um at Georgia Tech. So he's he's covered up now with adult work. Um talk about some resources that you would think would be helpful to somebody um that maybe you didn't touch on. Oh like like books? Books, websites, videos, YouTube, people, um, Twitter accounts, anything. <laughs> Um, I'm not as up to date with the technology like the YouTube and right. stuff like that. I, I go on Twitter to, to follow you guys, to follow right. you, to follow some other, like to, to gather information. That's when I first started. Uh, I it was easy to go on Twitter and get um, and get resources for journals for journal articles because right. if you, if you just sign up for like science, they'll send you the journal articles for free, so you don't have to go and buy the magazine and stuff like that. It's wonderful. Right. Um, so there's there's plenty of new books out there. There's books about sports science, which I, I like a lot. There's books about um, how body and mind work together. There's there's one that's about um, long distance training, which I've been able to apply to baseball and to other sports too. It's called Indoor. I would highly recommend it. Um, it it's it's it talks about um, how tr- how runners can can train by pushing themselves. But they know they're going to push themselves and fail. But eventually, they're going to kind of overcome that. And it talks about humans as evo- how we evolutionarily changed to not save things. Like basically, we, we, we save energy because we don't know when our next meal is coming from. We don't know how far away home is and things like that. So we, we save it. So now as, as modern day people, we don't have to save things. We, we, we can go all out. You can go all out in the weight room and you, you're not going to die. Like you're not going to die if you do one more rep or you do one more set. You know, you're not going to die if you throw an extra 10 pitches. And I, and again, I understand pitch counts and all that stuff and things like that, but it's not going to be the end of the world. You, you may be a little bit more tired the next day, but it's going to promote, you know, regrowth and rebuild and, and endurance and, and just resilience and, for the, for the mental game, it's great because it pushes you past what you think your limits are. So think about, think about you right now. There's, we talked about our mind is, is being, is being a limit for how good we can be. So if we can push that, if we can push that, we don't know how good we can be because we're pushing the limit. We're trying to get better. We're trying to do things that we thought we couldn't do before. Nice. Nice. I didn't ask you the casual question, but was there was there a TV show? Was there a Netflix show that caught your attention during COVID lockdown when you were in the house? For a uh, there was plenty. That's when I actually started watching. Okay, and, and it's funny. My, my family. My, I have I have college kids, so they were in the house too. So we did. You know, we did the the tiger thing. Okay, we, we watched all that. Tiger. That, that kind of got us together watching yeah. things together. Um, you know, we we watched the the Michael Jordan Last Dance thing. All of that. We, yeah, um, th- there was. I watched lots of lots of documentaries. There's one documentary right now that you may be interested in. It's called A, a Coach's Tale, I believe. The first one was with Doc Rivers. Uh, the other one is with uh, Don Staley, a, a University of South Carolina basketball yep. coach. 
Um, it talks about like how the coaches, their coaches philosophy, basically. So that may be an interest yeah, of you. For sure. Uh, an interest of yours. Yeah. Sure. Um, but obviously anything science related, anything that's, uh, you know, that's factual based database yeah. and stuff like that. I'll definitely watch. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. All right. Well, I'm going to turn this off and then we'll, awesome. they are, uh, I'm going to turn this recording off. I think I'm,